Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders and captivating crimes from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the Delsit Bidel. And it's episode 158. It is. 158. 158. Hurrah. Ooh, it's many. Yay for many. Well, we've established that. We've established it's very good. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. I had a day off. Quite nice. It's been an admin-y day, though. It's been a very admin day. Lots of talking, lots of people, lots of meetings on the phone. Mm-mm-mm. Lots of, lots of, Big, lots of grown-up things about numbers and monies and banks and things. Oh, did you bring a briefcase? To, to my to my online meeting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, unfortunately. Tell them I... you mean business <laughs> while in your pyjamas. Right, show them my briefcase. <laughs> Hello, please <laughs> my, give me a mortgage. My empty I briefcase. I have a briefcase. <laughs> I can afford this bag. I think I'll have your trust, sir. No, yes. well, obviously I failed at that, so. But it all went well. Though, Apparently so. <laughs> well, briefcase as it was, I think it went, went okay. It's been a glorious, sunshiny day, and you know what I need to do? My taxes. Yes. It's been one of those sorts of days. <laughs> a productive like... but dull sort of day. Are you look outside and go i could be out there enjoying it no there must be something soul crushing i could be doing instead i know let's see how much money i'll give to the government yeah well every page they lecture me going do you have a private pension yet just shut up leave me alone you haven't got a private pension yet no i have a house and cats yes they're my pension the cats the cats. They're going to yeah, go, exactly. go out to work. The, you don't think that they're going to make me millions? I'm right. waiting for the day, Nick. Okay. It is a solid investment. It's how, it's the, how this is going to work. It, I, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you my grand plans oh, for no, millions. Okay. As, long, as long as there's a grand plan in there somewhere, <laughs> then I trust you implicitly. Don't you worry. I'll take care of you in your dotage. Oh, good. All the, all the cats will, by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, any poisonings this week? Uh, No. No. No, no. Nothing. People have given me stuff. They've not... Who's given you stuff? Well, the bank's given me a mortgage. Yay! That's good. <laughs> giving is a weird word yeah. for that. <laughs> you know what's really terrifying? What? Is that actually at the bottom of the mortgage, or the mortgage stuff, they say, right, yeah, it's over this many years, this is your monthly repayment, blah, 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 blah. This is how much your mortgage is for. Scroll right down the bottom, you go, total amount repayable. For fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. No, no. That's like, that's more than double you're giving me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's pre- really rude. Pretty much, yeah. When you look at it and go, why? Yeah, why? I have some monies. 
Why am so, I giving you all of mine? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> oh, you're not going to sell it before then? Oh, God, you got screwed. Oh, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. That much? I was quite flabbergasted. Interest rates, though, at the moment. Yeah. yeah. This is what people tune in to a true crime comedy podcast for. And it is. They want to the, hear about mortgage interest hear rates. about mortgage rates. The greatest poison of them all. <laughs> but at least the admin's out of the way. Now the drinking can so. begin. Yes. I did genuinely think while walking down here to record this, while picking up various supplies for you. I've done lots of admin. I've earned, I've earned a, a walking bear. And it really <laughs> sincerely inhabited me, that thought, as in, like, I've really earned it. Like I'd gone for a run. Like I had achieved some huge task. I no. think doing your taxes is pretty <laughs> a pretty good thing to have achieved. The only reason I did my taxes is I can work out how much of my savings can I now spend on <laughs> shit that I don't need. <laughs> I have a huge, huge basket full of stuff that I should not buy, but I'm gonna... Yep, you're gonna. Well, speaking of frivolous spending and uh, admin and then drinking afterwards, yeah. I think it's time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. We probably should. Thank you very much to Jesse Palmer. To Holly Hensley. To Sammy Lynn Toth. Alicia, I, I hope I'm doing this right. Where'd you go? And to Small Chicken. Small Chicken. Small Chicken. It's only a small one. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, you delicious, sexy, sexy Patreons. We had fun on Patreon this week. Did we? We, 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 we had your story. Oh, nuns. Nuns. <laughs> I had, it was only yesterday and I really had to think back then. Yes, nuns, nuns of evil. Evil sexy nuns. Sexy nuns, Sex though. nuns. This was a story, yeah, a, a great, great story about a nun led astray, maybe by a sexy man. All the makings of a great film. And then you sent me all the cover art for yeah. all the films that have been made. And my God, those are sexy Yeah, sexy there's some, some sort of Italian sort of 70s, 80s, oh, yeah. sort of vaguely erotica sort of films going on. Well, the one with the girl, like, looks like she is the evil creature from the nun, mm. chewing on a crucifix. Chewing on a crucifix. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> the other one that's very classic Italian 70s, we're like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit aroused. Absolutely, Ooh. yeah. Just on an altar with a priest between her legs. <laughs> in a nice way. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> in a nice way. Well, it just makes it sound so crass when you say it like that. The, the picture was sensual. Relatively crass, yes. All right, fine. Boil it down to what it is. Typical man gets to the point. Exactly. I like to paint a picture. Yes, it was that, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then you sent me a whimsical nun picture. And a whimsical nun. <laughs> but it's a good story, yes. If you want to know what the hell we're talking about and want to see some sexy nuns, apparently, <laughs> please do go over and check out our patreon.com forward slash the poisoners cabinet with lots of extra bonus episodes and new episode every single week and more things to tickle your fancy. Well, Nick, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To drink cocktails and talk about poison? Ooh, probably. Or... Or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. Nah, I want a cocktail. Nah, I want a cocktail. I want a cocktail. I'm in the mood for a cocktail. We've had a hard day, as we've exactly. established. Yeah, indeed. Our Need brains do feel like we've wrung out our brains a uh, bit. There have been a lot of numbers. I've been on a lot of numbers today. <laughs> this is not a podcast of numbers. Mm, it's really not, now. Saying the episode title was hard enough. <laughs> Remembering 158 was like, oh my God. Don't say that. Now I'm just seeing it in tax forms. <laughs> Should we go with the first one? Yeah, whatever else. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is my story this week, but we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavor our cocktail of the week. My story, so my pick, and it is a deck of cards. Mm, how lovely. 
Playing cards. Playing cards. Yes. Ah. We went through a few. We did. Al- almost picked something we've already done before. <laughs> went, no, God, no. Now, I imagine this could open up all manner of possibilities. Oh, yes, indeed. You've got card games. There could be... Um, I was surprised, actually. I was expecting some sort of poker-based yes. names of cocktails. And there are very, very few. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, do you know the names of all the hands? Did you search I, those? I do. You yes. do? <laughs> I, I have lived. <laughs> What? <laughs> so I know what the poker hands are called. I've not, have, have not been living in a cupboard. <laughs> the weirdest response to anyone like, oh, do you know about poker? Yes, I've lived. I've lived. <laughs> I, have I lived. lived in a casino once. As an ingenue wearing a sparkly gown. Yeah. I was a croupier. <laughs> Okay, you know all the poker hands. Uh, yes, I do. Know all the names of all of the cards. I know well. all the names of all the cards. Absolutely, yes, it's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I know the the four suits as well. I know them. <laughs> it's great. I know the numbers. But yeah, with the four suits, that could have loads in there. So I'm excited to see what you have come up with. Mm-hmm. So we are having okay four aces. Four aces. Okay, I like that. I like it. Is that suitably playing cardy for you? It is. It's good. I'm glad. Because I like it. <laughs> even even better. Four aces. Mm. Oh, what a hand. Four of a kind. That's a big one in poker. Oh, You should know that, having lived. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Perhaps I haven't lived. <laughs> Not well enough. Not well Yeah, I live, I live, live badly. <laughs> Fling shit poker. <laughs> Wonderful. Four aces. I think it is high time for us to sashay into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a minute. And we're back. Hello. Well, Nick, four aces, you see. Whole four of them. It's a very sprightly colour. It's a summery drink. It is a summery drink. And I was thinking four aces. I guess my mind went to, ah, yes, the old West gambling and shooting out and stuff like that. I don't know. Some sort of... Texas Hold'em kind of scenario in Deadwood, apparently, <laughs> where this story is not set at right. all. Bob, just as well, it's not that then. But yeah, it's a very green. Mm. It's a greeny, lighty paint. It's not got twigs in it. Has it, it? Mm. Oh God, don't tell me. But yeah, it's a long drink with a big chunk of ice in it. Yeah. Mm. Now mm. I'm going to feign surprise at some of the ingredients. <laughs> you didn't make me buy them. Buy on most the way of them on here. your way. Yeah. Yes. As I realised I had nothing in the house. <laughs> so so I am going to feign surprise, but maybe you've thrown a little curveball in there or something. There's a couple of things in there that you don't know about. Is one of them love? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So do we, do we dive in and have one a little? Probably would. Oh, it smells summery. Oh, it smells. Oh, it smells. Smells. It does smell different, actually. No. Yeah. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's take in. Hmm. That's unexciting. A taste of nothing. <laughs> May have got um, overboard with the soda. It's got soda water in it, has it? Because it's got some fizz. Yeah. I, I just haven't stirred it. I'm stirring it now with my finger. Perhaps, perhaps things have settled. Dive in again. Sorry, there's just nothing to say right now. Okay, that's a bit more. Oh, that's better. I just, it's just needed to stir. It's a bit better. It's still a bit meh. You're never bloody happy, are you? <laughs> Not unless I get a really good drink. No, <laughs> no. You've known me for a long time, sir. It's okay. it's refreshing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's all we want. Spring is sprung So, yeah. What? <laughs> Spring is sprung It has that effect yeah, on a person. Absolutely. So, refreshing and light and jolly and lovely. It's got some flavour. We, we like flavours. Which we like. It's still a little bit... Maybe we're just too hardened. Well, that's the thing. When we're used to every week to have, having big... Brown drinks, which just one sip and you're on the floor crying. Yes, I've, I've become, become, become accustomed. negatively conditioned. Yeah, exactly. You've <laughs> become accustomed to powerful, spitted forward beverages. But every now and then something light. But I think we need to, we need to go back. Summary. 
summery summery light jolly fizziness and i agree i do think this is almost on the edge of too light but it's interesting i know there's basil in this Yes. Because when you said pick up basil, I didn't think you were going to whip me up a lovely pesto. No. For once. Vodka? Is there vodka in this? There's vodka in this. Okay, there's vodka. So again, taste of nothing. <laughs> and then you also told me to get white grapes. 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 Yes. Which we've not had before, apart from wine. No, we've had grapes. Have we had a grape before? We've had grapes in cocktails before. I'm sure we have. It feels like we should have. Yeah. I'm sure I've muddled a grape or two. Ooh, okay. But white grapes. So there's some grapes in there. Basil. Basil. Vodka, soda water. Yeah. So all the makings of a summary goodness. Yeah, indeed. But there's other stuff. There's one here. There's one other thing in there. There's one other thing in there. It's not going to be something shit like a bitter or some sugar. There is sugar, but it's not that. There is oh, some, okay, there is some sugar okay. in there, but it's not that. I, I'd be very surprised if you get it. Oh, there's lime juice in here as well. Well, there is lime juice, yes, and there's something else in. There is lime juice, yeah. It has got a, something strange. It's going on. <laughs> Tell me what it is. It has some ginger. Oh, it's a ginger. It has, has a ginger liqueur. Oh, Okay. Yep. So the liqueur, like the king's ginger. Yes, the king's ginger. So not just syrup. Not just syrup. It's, a, it's a, yep, a, a liqueur is in there. Bit of a bit of a warmthingness. Yeah. The, towards yeah. The, at the at the back. Potentially, it says it says it's always a bad thing. It says top up with soda water. It very much depends how big your glasses are. Yeah, but these are um, giant glasses. Yeah. So I think I may have overdone it with the soda. Mm. Um. So if that was less of that, I perhaps put in a couple of ounces of soda. I think it would have been. Yeah. A lot more pronounced. I think it's got the makings of a good drink. It's got yeah, it's got interesting flavours to it. I think it's a good summary sitting oh, in the afternoon sort of you don't want to get absolutely wasted. It's a nice afternoony on the veranda. <laughs> the magical veranda's <laughs> come out because it's summer. Yeah, type type of type of, of drink. Potentially in the punch bowl. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's welcome people into your garden party or onto your small balcony or your sex festival, whatever you're doing. Well, I mean, one of the three options. The most elegant of all the options there. Yeah, it does feel like it's a really nice drink to hand over to yeah. someone and go, this is... And then you can talk about the ingredients and everyone go, woo, woo. It's one not to give like a really hardened cocktail efficient. No, and it's not one for like a winter's evening or... No, that would be weird. Uh, yeah, or, or just <laughs> of an evening in general. You're not going to get Sitting too hammered. Outside. Give you that little yeah. little buzz. Exactly. And a little taste of summer with the basil and the ginger and the some grapes. grapes. <laughs> I don't think the grapes add anything, do you? I think they have potentially some colour. Oh, yeah, they do. But the basil would do that. The basil do that as well. So no, you I muddled think... the basil. Yeah, so everything everything goes in there. So your grapes, squish, squish, squish. Um, obviously break them down and then all your bits and pieces, the rest of the drinks go in there. Mm. Along with the basil and then give it a good old smash. Good old smash. And then shaking it with with ice to nice. break it down a bit further. I should say to people that we are going to start filming these episodes soon. And it's very important that we do because just now you missed us gesturing the mashing yeah. and putting things in while we were talking. Yeah. Just all the gesturing that went on there. And we both did it subconsciously. They're going, oh, so you mash it. You mash it. And we're yeah. making some sort of lewd gesture apparently. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It's okay. It's growing. Uh, uh, it's growing on you. It's yeah. I, I'm not. A, I'm gonna drink it. How how kind? Maybe it's my palate. I feel like it needs more spice. You so like maybe, a spicy thing. <laughs> maybe more of the ginger. Maybe more lime. So just a tiny bit more sharpness to cut through that soda water because soda water can kill a drink. It's yeah. a bit, the reason why I don't really love a mojito, to be honest, can really temper it down. So just a, something else to cut it through a oh, little bit less would be my water. preference. But I, it's fine. We'll see. We'll see. It's fine. <laughs> so that's all, that's all I'm getting. It's fine. It's fucking it's like fine, a, it's all right? It's like a very passive-aggressive cocktail. Get on with it. It's bloody one. fine. You drink your fine cocktail. Well, thank you for making it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a summery drink for a summer's day. I don't think the name suits it. 
four races I don't, yeah i don't i don't get that where that comes from i don't get what the connection is between any of that no it's just it is just a name well with the four aces firmly in hand concealed so no one sees them are you ready for a story oh go on then this week's story starts with a micro story for you, Nick. A micro story. A micro story that I found buried in this story. Ooh. Well, digging through the story. A story within a story within a story. It is, yes. This is actually the main story, when I come to it, has got lots of incidental references to possibly lots of other crimes where they are just skimmed over. Oh, okay. It's marvellous. This little story came out, and I thought we have to start with it before we get to the main event. Okay. And you won't know where I'm going with it. I, I definitely don't. It's early 19... 19- 85. Okay, that's quite recent. Mm-hmm. In London. Mm-hmm. And uh, little little parcels of meat are showing up in various spots around the big smoke. Okay. Lovely cooked meat. Lovely. Right, okay. Nicely, freshly prepared. Okay. Just like a nice chicken, just turning up on your doorstep. It could be chicken. <laughs> I'm imagining it's not chicken. Tastes of chicken. It's babies. They have been left, sent to whatever, in random spots by a man named Nicholas Boyce. Not a butcher. Right. Not a friendly kebab man (laughs) who wants to just promote his wares. No, 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 no. He's an economist. Okay. He's studying economy. As economists do. Or economics, that's the actual word to say there. A few days before the parcels, before he decided to do this sort of generous sort of distribution of parcels around the city, he'd had a very bad row with his wife. Right. Christabel. I think I may know where this is going. Do you? Probably not, but I've got an idea. They decided to start their own meat distribution business. <laughs> yeah. Christabel apparently was impossible, Boyce claimed. Oh, she was she was nagging him. She was making nasty comments about his manhood. How rude. Calling into question his sexual abilities. She'd also gone so far as to snap his tobacco pipes in half. How rude. So Boyce, very put out by all of this behaviour. Well, one would be. Only sensible thing to do is to strangle his wife to death. What, what other options did he have? Then fillet the flesh from her bones. <laughs> then cook it to look like, and I quote, like someone's Sunday lunch. Mm. And then tie them up into little parcels and distribute them about the neighbourhood. Right. Now, I say distribute around the neighbourhood. Some people say that they were strewn and laying in the street and given to people as gifts. They were deposited around London, yes. probably in bins, but not very well concealed because okay. fuck tons of people found them. Her head he placed in a plastic bag and threw over the Hungerford Bridge in London. Delightful. They found that too. Yeah, I can Not imagine. well. He didn't do any of this well. <clears throat> and all the cooking. Mm, lovely. Now, he was caught, unsurprisingly, and he stood trial. His defence team would go for the manslaughter charge due to the wife's provocation. Okay. And this being the 1980s, the courts, of course, took a more sympathetic view Absolutely. of the chaps. These nagging wives. Exactly. And anyone who had been driven, clearly, to domestic violence. Yes, it's not their fault. It's not their no. fault. It's the wife's fault. Yes. Mm. All that nagging. Boyce was sentenced to six years in jail for manslaughter. Christ. For that. Seems a little lenient. I'm going to let that sink in and let your rage build up while I tell you what the judge said. Mm. Uh, Before these dreadful events, you were hardworking of good character. You were simply unable to get on with your wife. And the judge, in this case, mused, a man of reasonable self-control might have similarly been provoked and might have done what you did. For fuck's sake. (laughs) Yeah. Probably not. No, no, no. no. The, the filleting and the cooking and the yeah. parceling up of things. Sure. Um, any reasonable man <laughs> would have done it. Reasonable man would have. No. No, a reasonable man would have got his second wife to do it. <laughs> no, no reasonable man goes anywhere near the kitchen. <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh, Nick. That's a very good point. He wouldn't know his way around a exactly. cutting knife. How does he know what a stove is? <laughs> Maybe she was not cooked well. Well, this is true. A woman has died. A woman has died. <laughs> but yes, it's six years. That... Six years in prison. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, I remember that. Why am I telling you this horrible, Well, why horrible are story? you telling me this? And very, that's a very modern story. It is a very modern it's story. very modern story. And we're staying fairly modern. Mm. We're not going back too far. Oh, I don't know if I approve of this. This case attracted a fair few headlines, not due to the assailant cutting up and cooking his wife. Cannot stress that enough. That was sort of there. That's just in the background somewhere. The main thing was its tenuous link to a much much bigger crime one of the most famous mysteries in british history when we think of crime we go "Ooh, okay okay you're building this up it's better be a good one well I, i'm hoping you'll know the name some some of our american fans <laughs> i think everyone will know this one okay yeah because it would turn out the wife's connection to this crime christabel had once been one of two nannies working for john bingham okay otherwise known as Lord Lucan. Yes. <laughs> okay, no, that's 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 a moderate mystery. I'll give you that. <laughs> Being it's very guarded. Modest mystery. How is it not one of the biggest? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the disappearance mm, of Lord Lucan. Okay. It's up there with all the famous disappearances, disappearing acts of real people. Lord Lucan, genuine. Agatha Christie, not genuine. <laughs> I was very close to kind of going. Oh, do we do Agatha Christie's disappearance? Mm. Uh, which would be a very interesting story. It's not much of a mystery because she she, she was there. <laughs> she was hiding <laughs> she was in the cupboard. She was like, I can't cope with this anymore. <laughs> the disappearance of Lord Lucan. How much you know about his story? Not a huge amount. Mm. You kill a nanny or something like that, or supposedly. And then, then scarpered, and it's been seen everywhere in the world for <laughs> ever since, and oh. will be about 120 by now or something. No, 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 no. Well, we'll, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. No. But this is the story of the remarkable disappearance of Playboy, British peer, and absolutely a murderer, mm. Lord Lucan. Ooh, interesting. So it is a modern ish one Ooh. for us, but I thought, you know what? Let's delve. It's a famous oh, one. Let's have a go. Now, the that. resources on this one, they're really interesting. Because you have a lot of people who are involved in this case who were able to give very detailed reports much later in life. Some of them, some people question. Some of the reports about Lord Lukin himself were quite biased in the past. So when you look over them, most of the people directly involved now have passed away or have been declared dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are still people alive who are involved in this and people may have strong feelings. However, I'm going to try and present the facts as they are, as they were presented, and uh, let you draw your conclusions. So, Lord Lucan was born Richard John Bingham, known as John, in 1934, and he was the son of the sixth Earl of Lucan. Now, I'm going to refer to him as Lucan through this, just yep. for ease, because everyone recognises it, maybe occasionally John, but it's Lord Lucan. He is, as a child, he wasn't the Lord Lucan. He wasn't he when he was it. born the Lord. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was, he was going to ascend, ascend to the peerage. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So he's born into a family of privilege. Yeah. His father is a peer. But his childhood isn't all sunshine and roses. The family is certainly privileged, but his parents are, are socialists, actually. Uh, very privileged socialists, mm -hmm. which is, uh, I guess, the, the best or the worst kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a bit questionable. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're very fine with all of the titles 
titles and everything like that. But uh, we're not going to. We're going to be misers where our kids are concerned. Yeah. His mother was very sick for a very long time. He's mostly raised by a nursemaid, his nanny, good style at the time. But yeah, he really has very little contact with his mother. During the Second World War, obviously, he's a child. When this breaks out, he's evacuated to Wales. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a tough time for kids, him and his sister are evacuated so stressful but then luckily in 1940 they are upgraded to living with a family friend or, or someone they vaguely knew who just happens to be a multi-millionaires in toronto canada that's convenient yeah so so gone from wales oh okay yeah. we'll, we'll help to tend the land and we'll do our bit and everything. Yeah. no 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 millions millions mm, in canada millions yeah very very far away no bombs there yeah so the children are shipped over there because parents off. They I mean that in itself is pretty dangerous. Well yeah. <laughs> well they travel over the, Cro- the crossing the Atlantic in the forties is like uh, <laughs> you're gonna get blown up. <laughs> Some sort of fancy hidden plane. A secret camouflage one. Secret camouflage. <laughs> Either way, the kids got over yeah, there. Yeah, they got over there. And lived very well. Enjoy this idyllic lifestyle. The millionaires who was who was there who looked after them. She was a Christian, but she just tr- lavished them with Everything that they mm. wanted and beautiful Canadian landscape and outside running around. Wonderful time of their life. When he returns to England, age 11, after the war. Uh, Things are probably slightly different. Not so quite so great. Yeah. Smog. Yeah. Smog. <laughs> I can't see. Smog. smog. There's a lot of rubble. There's a lot of rubble and smog. And there's a lot of rationing. <laughs> yeah. It's not great not anymore. Not so, so fun. No, so aside from the fact that his family are not big on the spending, it is just a bit of a depressing time to yeah. come back to England. Everyone does their bit, everyone mucks in, but you know, if you're from a family of privilege, and certainly where young John is concerned, mm. it's like, mm, he's got a taste for the finer Absolutely. things in life. Of course, despite all of his parents' socialist leanings, he's going to go to Eton. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can have your principles, but also Eton is the only place for my son. Absolutely. So academically, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Pretty much what his mother said. It didn't said. really matter. He went to Eton. Don't matter what happened. Well, exactly. His mother sort of said like, yeah, he sort of did all right. Did all right. It wasn't really... Went to okay. Oxford afterwards, it's fine. Well, no, he didn't go to Oxford. He would go into service. Uh, oh, he went okay. did his national service. But when he was at Eton, he is emerging pretty dashing, charming young man. Books and learning, I have no need of that because I've discovered a rather marvellous pastime. Something wonderful. Cards. <laughs> <laughs> there nice. it is. Playing cards, cards, gambling. Nice bit of gambling. Absolutely. Lord Lucan developed from an early age this absolute lust for gambling. He had a great talent for games of skill, uh, including poker and bridge. Mm-hmm. Never mastered bridge. Bridge seems very complicated. Have you ever played very, it? I've, I haven't. My parents, they are, they, they're in bridge lessons Ooh. at the moment. It's a three-year course. What the what? To learn how to play bridge. I mean, it seems... Why? And they, they have, I think it's twice a week. They go, they go for these. I mean, they they really enjoy it. But my God, it sounds. And every time I see him, I see my dad. He tries to explain it, and I have no <laughs> idea what he's talking about. So I've not got a clue what he's going on about. So your dad tries to compress three years of learning. Like, I, yeah. I reckon I've got the measure of this, <laughs> so Nick. Let me tell you a tale. Yeah. So it's it's a complex game, but yeah. an intriguing one. But uh, yes, complex. I've never even attempted bridge yeah. cribbage. Love a bit of cribbage. And that's quite different. But yes. He... Place your head. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did as well. Yeah, actually. Good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. It's a good game. Yeah, he was up for anything. Up for anything that he could make money off. So Poker Bridge, also really big game for him. Backgammon. Nice. Backgammon's nice. Do you like backgammon? My dad taught me when I was younger. 
because he had a he had a backgammon set and mm. I must admit I have no memory of how to play no no whatsoever tried to teach me how to play but I remember yeah rolling dice and you've got your little tokeny yeah, things on the triangles yeah. and and such I, I, I knew how to play once but yeah not a clue now. For a good part of me writing this story, based on the fact that I thought backgammon was dominoes. No, they are different completely games. Completely different. And also different words. So yes. <laughs> to indicate that they are different things. They spell and pronounce their names differently. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> they are. Halfway through writing this, I went, oh yeah, that's not that. But yes, he was doing all was of great this. great at dominoes as well. Great though. at dominoes. Great at yeah, dominoes. that lined up. Indulging in other gambling habits too. He was sneaking out of college to go to the horse races. He got a sideliner in bookmaking while at the college. So he's just getting any action that he can. Boy. <laughs> Keeps his money secret from the family. Secret account, secret mm-hmm. account. So he can plow it into more bets. He leaves college, does his national service. He gets a job in a merchant bank. Of course, on okay. a good salary. So yeah. yes, again, like, oh, we could be socialists, but no, no, go into no, no, I'm money going to banking. and privilege. Yeah. Yes. He's not really interested in the banking world because he's now developing his love of gambling. And this is the era of the professional gambler. Yeah. Today, there are professional gamblers that do it very well. But it's very chic. It's very suave. And probably what we, when we picture the kind of the old timey oh, yes, professional indeed. gambler, this is what we think of. He gets introduced to more wealthy chaps through his work in the banks who have a taste for the cards, who want to take him out and go, oh, okay, come and join our club. And he's a peer. He's a lord. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a lord. Gonna, he's, well, he's not a lord yet, but he's got a title. He's, he's an heir, so yes. Exactly. And everyone, and he wants to be, he's the sort of person you want to be seen with mm. and he will attract other people in there. Through these connections, he met John Aspinall. Now, this name will be familiar to you. He has a zoo. A wildlife park. Park. <laughs> so John Aspinall is very well known to us being in Kent. He was a professional gambler. He set up the famous Clearmont Club in London, which is the most exclusive in the 60s gambling club that you could imagine. Highest of the high rollers rolled there. <laughs> put their tiles down and (laughs) and bet things on things. John Aspinall would open very famously, part because of his income, opened a zoo in Kent, it was at the time, Howlett's, where his mansion was, also opened Port Lim. They're now wildlife parks and they do a huge amount for conservation. Now. Now. (laughs) Back then, you're still still interested, they still were interested in it, but back then, yeah, kind of, let's just call it a zoo, which is not great. (laughs) Handling all the animals as well, a lot. (laughs) But he is incredibly successful, John Aspinall. He is a very shrewd businessman. He is a gambler, but he's also opened this club knowing that he can get a cut from everyone else. And he wants all of his good mates House always wins. So So you've got club members who are dukes, marquises, earls, cabinet ministers. You've got Lucian Freud, Ian Fleming, Peter Sellers, Sir David Sterling, James Goldsmith. They're all rubbing Mm. shoulders there. Left of money and john lord soon to be lord lucan thrived in this company and eventually quits his job in banking because he can become a professional gambler yeah. he would say why would i work in a job when i can earn as much as i would in a year in this profession in a night gambling because yeah. one night he did win twenty six thousand pounds that'll do yep nice yeah. yeah nice not too shabby frequently would lose a lot as well yeah yeah that's the downside when you're losing 26 grand four nights a week, you win it one night a week. It's like, nah, yeah, you're still, yeah. on the whole, you're not doing so well. But he, the fact that he can win is yeah. enough. 
total gambling addict. Privileged young man driving around his Aston Martins, mixing with the great and the good and the fabulous exclusive clubs and parties of the day. And this is the start of the swinging 60s. So it's going to be glam. And he has a moustache. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah, people comment on the moustache a lot. They like it is the an impressive moustache when you see pictures of him. Mm. It, is a, it is a fancy moustache. Yeah, his future wife, Veronica, would describe him as a well-honed, not an ounce of spare flesh on him. Quite godlike. Oh, okay. In some <laughs> that's, poses. That's slept. <laughs> yes, a fine figure of a man. Fine figure, now godlike. Godlike. <laughs> like, all right, calm down, love. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you seem to even realize, like, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the famous story goes that he'd even been in the running to play James Bond on screen. Oh, mm. it's, it's true. Um, he knew Ian Fleming. He was so popular and so dashing and handsome. He had had screen tests for another film. The screen test did not go well for this other film. Mm. Albert, I think it's Albert Broccoli, who yeah, is yeah. yep uh, producer of the of the James Bond films, was going to offer him a screen test for James Bond, but he turned it down because his other attempt into acting had not gone well, and he felt a bit gun shy about it. Uh, so he didn't, but didn't do it. He could have been James Bond. Could have been James Bond. Yes, yes. Said uh, we got David Niven. We got David Niven, who's also equally posh, very posh, not not as attractive as him in his day. Uh, They're quite dashing. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, do you like a bit of the Niv? Well, I, got, I think he's a very, very handsome man. Okay. Oh, didn't know he had that side of you. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I like the idea that actually, instead of playing cards, he's playing backgammon <laughs> in James Bond films. Yes, or dominoes. Dominoes. <laughs> Slapping that down. Yeah. <laughs> Just set them all up. Skillful game. Skillful game. No you know, doubt. dominoes is not actually about putting them on side and knocking them I over. I know it's not that's, about that's, that. that's actually not how you play dominoes. <laughs> no, I know. It's a very skillful game about you basically dealt what you have and you place them next to each other. Good. Just making but sure we I'm, were there. I'm picturing this James Bond film. I'm sorry, which everyone would watch of them lining up the dominoes. Intricate display around the yeah. Casino Royale. Mm. The, the, then, then triggers a gun that fires at James Bond. And then, oh no, oh. Oh, James Bond, he's, ta- he's picked up a domino and the whole, the whole, the whole scheme is ruined. <laughs> he's Pretty much, Blofeld never saw that coming. Never saw that coming. He wouldn't absolutely. have seen it coming. No. <laughs> oh no, the cat would have batted the dominoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we are. That's a James Bond film he would have watched, but he turned it down. But it's around this time in 1963, he meets Veronica, who I mentioned, who is his wife. And she would share her story years later. Some of the accounts of what happens throughout this tale come from Veronica's own story she is she's pretty cold but she's very honest and very open so veronica very pretty young woman good family was working as a model and a secretary through her friends who sharing a flat with got into high society you know from, from a good family herself but she meets john at a golf club thing okay it's called like a golf club thing Go, that's exactly yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it's called on the that's sign it. outside it's golf club, <laughs> the thing. golf club thing uh he was 29 she was 26 <gasps> And she would say at the times like, oh, yes, I was, I was getting on a bit, getting on. I was on the shelf. Apparently, he later said to her, you married me when you were old and grateful. Oh. Isn't that a great phrase? Nice. <laughs> That's cutting. <laughs> she described her f- their first date as something from the pages of James Bond. You can imagine <laughs> it. They're, they'd had a few. They'd met. They'd gone out for lunches. And then he said, can I, can I drive you to my apartment? They're in the, his Aston Martin driving through the traffic of London. Yeah. The traffic is getting him all riled up. And <laughs> she's feeling the excitement too. He walks into their apartment. She sits down. He goes to the phone, picks it up and says, tell the boys I won't be coming tonight night see you in the morning and then he picked her up off the sofa and carried her to the bedroom 
very dramatic. Yeah. I need, I need, a, I need a break. <laughs> You're like, hoo, hoo, hoo. And then I assume sex happened. One would assume probably there may have been some small sexy things. Yeah. If, if you just carried it to the bedroom, they'd stood there for 30 minutes. <laughs> they just jumped on the bed. And then went to the kitchen and had a sandwich. <laughs> That sounds great. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm also hoping someone was at the end of the phone as well. He didn't just pick that up and it was a dull tone. He was trying to sound cool. There's an operator like, sir, yeah, sir. Like, Operator. <laughs> so, yes, this dashing, dashing mm. figure. The pair were soon married. And while it was a big wedding, it wasn't a full society wedding. You mm. would think it would be with a peer. What I quite like about this is, is they do detail that with a wedding like this in the 60s, you would expect certain figureheads to be there you know it would be a society wedding you're mm. going to go there to people watch mm-hmm. the only person of note who was there was princess alice who's mother-in-law to elizabeth ii mm-hmm. uh, prince philip's mother she was the only big name on the day and apparently someone was actually overheard during the wedding going there's nobody here <laughs> it's a bit of a shit wedding well he wasn't that fancy well well he's a he's a lord so you'd expect well, there to be a bit more fanciful lowly lord you're not gonna get the king there are you <laughs> <laughs> well you got like the queen's mother-in-law who was just who also in pictures at that wedding looks like she's about to die <laughs> well she was a bit mad wasn't she i think well, she's just like yeah looks so old and they've wheeled her in there like someone has to turn someone up has to, to go this. yes has to, you've got the short straws hey, right <laughs> off you go <laughs> she just looks permanently confused in the yeah. pictures lucan is now a professional gambler he is pissing his money away yeah. at the clubs on high rich boy pursuits as well. He's trying to live this incredibly affluent lifestyle, as we have seen many, many times yeah. on this podcast. He has money. He had an income from his parents and he still is benefiting from it. But he's just wants to be living the life of a multimillionaire. Yeah. He would say to people that having two million in the bank would be enough to show people. So whatever little he has, and it's quite a lot is for it most still people. A, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's still a hell of a lot. Not enough. He yeah. is all about the appearance. He buys motorboats. He has two motorboats. Then he enters into a race in the UK. It's a really big one. I think it's the Daily Express sponsors it. He's determined he's going to win. He enters it. The boat sinks. Literally sinks. Yeah, not so good. Yep, and that's all his money that he's spent on the boat. He gets the insurance money from it. It's about £9,000, which is okay. Except that he goes straight to the Claremont Club and spends it. Yeah. Yeah, Veronica watching. She comes along with him and sort of sits on a sofa while he gambles and he gets completely het up. And it's pretty stressful. She says it was a very depressing Christmas that year. Well, one can imagine. While he was ranked as one of the best backgammon players in the world, top 10. Top 10. He lost as many times as he won, it seems. But then their luck turned. His dad died. (laughs) Yay! Yay! Well, it means like the way they tell it is in like, oh, well, it was very fortunate his dad died. Like... Okay, no love lost there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but it means property, land, money, great. He's got that all sorted out. He doesn't mm. have to worry about stuff. The, the couple can move into a fine townhouse in Belgravia. And they would go on to have three children over the following years, live a fairly luxurious lifestyle. And this is where John becomes the seventh yep. Earl of Lucan, Lord Lucan. From the start, the couple employed a nanny to take care of the children. So we, we have to reconcile ourselves with this early on it's just the kids are raised by a nanny yeah Yeah. i mean you if you could you would (laughs) you would just absolutely hand that over oh christ yeah hand that over i mean it's it's very much the nanny's job even veronica's like in her later interviews like says like oh no yes i well i wasn't really i'd like to sleep in 
Yeah, that. that's what I'm paying you for. <laughs> Get on with it. They had a nanny. Uh, there was a nanny with them for a long time, Lillian Jenkins. Um, she would raise them. Parents were there just to turn up for five minutes a day and go, who are you? And then go about their business. So they, they actually even said, like, at the in the summer, the children would go to Westgate-on-Sea. Lovely. Lovely. Lovely place, Westgate-on-Sea. With nanny. Spent many a summer there myself. Yes, maybe you bumped into them. Probably not. Probably not, actually. <laughs> I look at the... the, the no, those dates, dates won't this. work. But the kids would go to Westgate-on-Sea with nanny while mum and dad went to Monte Carlo, obviously, uh, yes. gambling. And they sort of assumed the kids were fine. Well, you don't want kids in Monte Carlo. Oh, God, no. No, they'd ruin everything. Exactly. Pissing around in the fountains. The kids are fine. fine. They don't need love. No, absolutely. They've got a nanny in the seaside. And some donkeys. (laughs) Be fine. (laughs) Those donkeys are feral down there as well. (laughs) You're taking a life in your hands. Have you ever been a... Did you go on donkey rides when you were little? Yeah. Did you enjoy it ever? I was terrified. I grew up in Margate. You have this (laughs) right of passage. Donkeys. (laughs) donkeys run the estate is that it i was just I was forced onto donkey rides like you'll enjoy this I'm like this donkey <laughs> is kicking the shit out of its owner and you're putting your child on here yep lovely well that's what happened to them <laughs> but yes the parents have accounts at savile row own classic cars holidayed with high society veronica would later say that the marriage is not a happy one mm, surprise from the from the outside it looks very glamorous they're, they're living the high life she said they were on their own whenever they were together they didn't talk after they were married. Mm. Lord Lucan had said that, well, that's the beauty of being married. You don't have to talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, feeling very lonely, very isolated, but all about keeping up appearances of wealth. They were expected to be at the Claremont Club every day. Lord Lucan's routine was waking up, bit of breakfast, maybe walk his dog, then go to the club at lunch, fawn all over John Aspinall, uh, who he sort of idolised. Then he would go home. In the evening, change into black tie, go back to the club, and then mm. gamble until the late, late, late hours and early morning. Okay. And he was a fixture at the club. I mean, I think that the high society who were doing well there, certainly Aspinall, were helping him, helping to fund him a little mm. bit on the way because he's a very dashing lord. And all the international diplomats who'd be coming in would want to sit at a table with a British yeah. peer. They were like, oh yes, we want to sit with someone. You know, he's a little bit of eye candy really for people. So yeah, and it's feeding his massive gambling habit. So yes, backgammon all day it all was. All day, all day, every day. Around 1971, the marriage is really beginning to show cracks. And this is where it gets a little bit ugly really between the two of them. Veronica is says she's feeling very isolated. She begins a friendship with another man. But Lord Lucan scares him off and starts then questioning her sanity starts making all sorts of comments about her depression at first being attentive and saying i'll get you help as in ushering her to Mm. doctors and seeing what pills can be given and then switches apparently to being very cold and just interested in him having more access to the children than she does it sours rapidly with all these accusations of her mental stability not being quite there she would claim that it actually ended up with domestic violence with him beating her with a cane that was wrapped with a bandage that there was some sort of weird sort of power sexual play there but it's definite that this marriage is not going well and it turns into this protracted battle where john lord lucan wants to get access to the kids he just wants custody is he going to love them and be an attentive father oh Oh, never mind no he just wants custody of them yeah they are now a pawn. Yeah, just wants control. <laughs> mm. He wants to declare his wife as an unfit mother, 
even though doctors say she is fit, that she's not mentally unstable, mm. he starts secretly recording her. He follows her. There's all sorts of very, very ugly to-dos between them, which Veronica plays a part in. I will say this was a sad part to research because they're both involved in a power struggle. Whatever you think of Veronica as a person she says herself she's quite cold her relationships were quite cold it is a wealthy man arming himself up with a lot of doctors with a lot of antipsychotic pills to keep his wife quiet mm. and to go i want access to my children i'm not going to parent them but i want to win against you and it's just very uncomfortable and unpleasant and there's a lot of detail out there about it if people want to read about it ends up in this lengthy court battle where Lady Lucan is not declared mentally unfit. Yeah. They say, no, she can have custody and he can have access rights as normal. He has thrown all of his money mm. at this court case, trying to prove her wrong, trying to take any kind of means necessary rather than trying to reach a, an amicable agreement. He has blown around £20,000 on this custody battle. He's now around about... £50,000 in total in debt. Ouch. Yeah. So That's the gambling, professional gambling, not going well. It's not going so well, really, is it? No, absolutely. Not so much. It's not the way forward. He's begging people for loans, signing bad checks mm. at casinos, at the club. These checks would later be auctioned off. As like, well, here's, here's some <laughs> yeah, of the bad checks that absolutely. he used. Yeah. Drinking heavily. He is muttering about his bitterness to his friends and anyone at the club. And he's talking about killing his wife. Yeah. To clear his debts and where he could dump the body. Yeah, you might not chat about that too much. I think that's time for another drink. Oh, yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
So, Nick. Yes. 7th of November. Ooh. 1974. Okay. Veronica, Lady Lucan, is at home watching television with her daughter, Frances. The other two children are in bed in their house in Belgravia. They have a nanny, Sandra Rivet, who is aged 29. She's been working for Veronica for about nine weeks. Described her as a good, hardworking, pleasant woman. She was previously married. She'd had a child uh, with in her marriage. She's estranged from her husband, but working away with a mm-hmm. family. Normally she wouldn't work on a Thursday night, which this is, but she has swapped her shift with the other nanny. So it's around about nine o'clock, just before nine o'clock in the evening, and Sandra calls in to Lady Lucan and asks her, does she want a cup of tea? She's like, yeah, fine. Goes down to the house's basement kitchen. She tries the light. Light's not working. No. Surrounded in gloomy darkness. Upon entering the room, an assailant strikes Sandra in the head repeatedly with a lead pipe wrapped in bandages. Oh, very Cluedo. He strikes her again and again, and she is killed. Mm. Yeah, I'll do it. There is blood everywhere. The assailant then stuffs the body into a canvas bag in the gloom. Okay. Now, Lady Lucan is upstairs and is wondering why Sandra's taking too long. Where's my tea? Where's my tea? Where's my tea? Where is my tea? So she goes down. She wanders down the stairs from wherever she is to the top of the stairs to the kitchen, is calling her name, is calling for Sandra, hears nothing back, but she hears a noise. Mm. The assailant jumps out of the gloom and attacks her. Strikes her on the head four times. There's blood pouring out of her head. Puts a hand in her mouth to stop her screaming. Mm. It's going for her eyes. And Veronica looks up and she says, it's her husband. Eesh. It's Lord Lucan. Now she gets free of his assault by grabbing him in the balls. Yeah, that'll do it. And squeezing pretty hard. Yeah, good Yeah, work. so always go for the balls, people. Yeah, always it, go for it, the balls. Yeah, it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would say her testimony would be that during this attack, when she gets free, she tries to calm her husband down. She tries to talk him, talk mm. him down because he's armed and he's beating yeah. the hell out of her. She asks, where's Sandra? Where is, where is the nanny? And he says, I killed her. She's dead. He clearly thought she yeah. was his wife. He his intention was to kill his kill wife. wife. It yeah, would assume, it would appear. So the wife just stalls him. Says, "Okay, we'll, we will we will take care we'll of this. Deal we'll, with this. We'll get rid of the body. We'll, we'll we'll come up with stuff." They walk up the house. They manage to get up to the bedroom where the daughter is sitting mm. watching TV. They go, go to bed, go to bed, nothing to see here, blood pissing down mm. and everything. She manages to get him to go to the bathroom where he's looking for tablets. And during this time, she legs it out of the house. Good for her. She runs Run. out, Run. nightgown, blood pouring out of her head. She's running straight to the pub that she knows is open. And <laughs> she stiff drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not to the police says, yes, no, no, it's whiskey. What's up? Nothing. No, this is just what just I came out of. Runs to the plumber's arms pub, bursts in and starts shouting, help me, help me. I've just escaped from being murdered. Okay. <laughs> she said that people were sort of aghast. Said he's in the house. He's killed the nanny. My children are in there. She's screaming, hysterical. People talk about, you know, that she came in absolutely no. covered in blood and is in shock. So, the police, the alarm is raised. Now, after the murder, we sort of can piece together what Lord Lucan did. He fled the house. Apparently went to the home of a sort of friend a few doors down, was hammering on the door, but the person was asleep. It was a woman Mm. who lived there. She was asleep. She said she received a garbled phone call that night that made no sense and she could only assume was from Lord Lucan. He called his mother and said that there had been a terrible catastrophe (laughs) at 
the family home and to go and collect the children from the house. And she does go and turns up like, Fuck. yeah, what's going on? He drives through the night in a borrowed car, um, not his usual fancy Aston Martin, yeah. battered old car that he's borrowed. Well, you from want to be un- under the radar, really, at this point, don't you? Yeah, yes, he so. drives all the way to a friend's house in East Sussex, uh, the Maxwell Scots, and he turns up there. Uh, not covered in blood, but a little bit sort of flustered. Yeah, and well, saying, one would be. Oh, the, and again, says the same story. This terrible, terrible thing has happened at the family home. I need to just write a couple of letters. I need to write a couple of letters. And they just go, okay, fine. There's nothing on the news, so they don't mm. suspect anything. And he tells the story that he was passing, passing the family home, and he saw his wife fighting with a mystery assailant right. in the basement. And he ran in and chased the man off. And whoa, no. And then his wife went, oh, you've hired a hitman to kill me. Ah, and ran out of the house. And then he then had to drive to East Sussex. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Because he was afraid that they would implicate him. Or so. It was all awful. It was all a bit confusing. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah. he goes there. He writes these letters to his brother-in-law. And then he drives away from the house. And that is the last time anyone sees mm. Lord Lucan. All this time, the police have now arrived at the Belgravia house and they have found the nanny's body in a pool of blood in a sack Mm. on the kitchen floor with a murder weapon next to her. The police do question any men connected with Sandra, including her estranged husband. But it's it's pretty clear after Lady There is an eyewitness here, so yeah. Yeah, well, it was him. Mm. It was him that he is suspect number one, and particularly yeah. as he's not available anywhere. Yes, yes. He's not around to deny it, really, is he? Yeah. The police search his apartment. They find his passport there. They find uh-huh. his wallet, his money, glasses, like all the stuff that you would think to carry with you, even on a sort of, if you went out for the day, you're yes. all left in the you apartment. Again. But then they're, they're all proof identity. They're all things that link him. Mm-hmm. Yes, so. Very true. Which you don't want to be carrying around with you if you're trying to escape. The letter that he wrote while staying at the in East Sussex, he sent to his brother-in-law and it read, Dear Bill, the most ghastly circumstances arose tonight, which I briefly described to my mother. When I interrupted the fight at Lower Belgrave Street and the man left Veronica accused me of having hired him. I took her upstairs and sent Francis to bed and tried to clean her up. She lay doggo for a bit and when I was in the bathroom, left the house. The circumstantial evidence against me is strong Mm. in that V will say it was all my doing. I will also lie doggo for a bit, but I'm only concerned for the children. If you can manage it, I want them to live with you. This is a little bit about school fees here. V has demonstrated her hatred for me in the past and would do anything to see me accused. For George and Francis to go through life knowing their father had stood in the dock for attempted murder would be too much. When they are old enough to understand, explain to them the dream of paranoia and look after them. Yours, John. Okay. He also wrote him another letter in which he detailed a sale at Christie's that was coming up and that should satisfy all his bank overdrafts. He signs it Lucky. Lucky Lucan. Lucky Lucan. Yes, is his nickname. Is his nickname. So yeah, that's that's nice Mm. to sign after you've fleed a murder scene yeah he also wrote a letter to the owner of the car that he'd borrowed michael stoop who was known to be his great friend obviously had lent him a car 
And it's along the same lines as the previous letter sent to his brother-in-law, claiming that he only cares about his children. He's only worried about the children's welfare. He's referring to a traumatic night of unbelievable coincidence, mm. blaming crooked solicitors and rotten psychiatrists for his luck. All of these things and just saying, well, t- t- just tell the children I did well by them in so many words. Yeah. Just these strange ramblings that people think. Just blaming everyone else. Is it? All my all these terrible, terrible things. It's all someone else's fault. Yeah. Or is it a suicide note? Mm. Is it just the ramblings of a man who's lost his mind and is trying to make his peace? Lord Lucan's car was found parked in a street in New Haven three days later. Okay. In the boot was found a piece of lead pipe covered mm. in surgical tape, just like the murder weapon that was yeah. found at the scene. Also a full bottle of vodka. They mentioned nice. that. So you didn't drink it. No, well, it. indeed, yes. Yeah, but they had it just in case. So as the police are investigating this, they think this must be suicide. They think it's suicide, but huge searches of New Haven, of the surrounding area, reveal nothing. There's mm. no trace of him. They search the reservoirs. They search the known spots. And this is, again, where we get a bit of a aside here. Um, apparently, while they're searching the area, they do find human remains nice. of a judge who'd been missing for years previously. <laughs> but screw him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Who cares about him? <laughs> it's like, I was like, what? Who was this person? Like, oh, we just found another dead body. Never mind. Kick some dirt over him. <laughs> is it suicide when they don't find the remains? They think, is it a bold escape that he's made yeah. across the English Channel? Yeah. And then all eyes turn to the Claremont Club in suspicion. Now, there is no evidence anywhere that anyone connected with the Claremont Club helped Lord Lucan. So we cannot say anyone did anything. <laughs> it is just rumour, speculation and gossip, yeah. quite frankly. But, of course, when you have this big exclusive club of all the high oh, members absolutely. of society, you've got to be thinking, ooh, what hand did they have in it? And that's what people are thinking absolutely. at the time. Yes, all those been hushed. things have been hushed up and, and buried, most certainly. When, when the members meet, because obviously he's gone missing and there's been a murder, everyone goes, oh, are they conspiring? It's probably they just met up and went, what the fuck has happened? <laughs> what's, what's going on? <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> yes, people want to surmise that he'd used his powerful connections to escape and some people truly believe that yeah. to this day there are mutter- mutterings of the Eton mafia as they're called <laughs> by the authorities even yeah. like them wielding their power to make sure that he had an escape or had had some sort of hand in this crime itself it doesn't help by that some people are very pointed and rude to the authorities when questioned and not wanting to give anything over about Lord Luke and the people who consider him friends and just say, no, I'm not going to talk to you. Mm. Apparently, John Aspinall's mother, when asked if she knew where Lord Lucan was, she replied, the last I heard of him, he was being fed to the tigers in my son's zoo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and cue all the police searching the tiger cages and the monkey cages and Ooh. the elephant cages and Ooh. the tiger cages again because they're cute. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, they said that. And it was like, uh. Also, they apparently searched 14 stately homes. Wow. Okay. Don't know if any of them had any connection to him whatsoever. Oh, I'm sure he had friends. <laughs> <laughs> but they were all just like knocking over afternoon tea. Uh, yeah. as they go in there like oh you dowager duchess oh what are you hiding under your skirts but they don't find him they don't find, no, don't him. find him under, 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 under some skirts <laughs> I just feel like a lot of them wanted to have a little bit of a day trip out to yeah, these lovely absolutely, yeah. homes <laughs> want to go and have a look around someone's house <laughs> the papers soon have Lady Lucan's story and her version of events and paint him as the murderer of Sandra Rivet. The inquest into her death rules that she was murdered by Lord Lucan. And he's the first lord named a murderer since the 1760s. Oh, good fact. Now, the family and his friends 
do try and defend his good name. Mm. Obviously, he's not around to do that. And they have strong feelings about it. All the evidence points to no, there's, there's really yeah. no way that you can. Like this story about the mystery assailant does not stack up with any of the evidence of any what his fingerprints are not found on the scene but there would be if there was another man there there would be evidence of it where the bodies were where lady luca was attacked and everything it just it doesn't stack up at all he vanished leaving debts of around forty five thousand pounds these were eventually cleared by selling off the assets that he had and by his family he remained a missing person until 2016 when he was officially declared dead and his son George was finally allowed to inherit the <laughs> that must title. Have been miserable for him, <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the son. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I think he was keen to, uh, yeah. because so, then he would be able to access all yeah, of the absolutely. things of being yeah. the Earl of Lucan, yeah. the Eighth Earl of Lucan. But yeah, you were hey, hello, I'm Lord Lucan, <laughs> bastard. It's not great. Mm. Over the years, many, many people have claimed to have seen John Bingham, Mm. Lord Lucan, at large. (laughs) Now, Aspinall, John Aspinall and Lady Lucan believed he killed himself. His his wife said that she believed he jumped into the English Channel. He got a motorboat, somehow got onto a boat or a ferry Mm. and jumped into the sea. Just jumped out. That's what he would have done. She even calls it brave. Okay. As in, like, would have just, oh, having done this terrible thing, yeah. then jumped into the sea. He would have done the right thing and killed himself. Would have done the right thing after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Asimov thought the same thing. Uh, the lead detective in the case, a man named Ranson, believes that Luke had moved to South Africa. Yeah. A lot of opinions of other detectives feel the same way, is that he just went abroad. Yeah. He just went abroad and did what he could. Susan Maxwell Scott, the, the last confirmed sighting of him by a friend, she put forward this theory that some of his powerful friends in so many words, had smuggled him out of the country to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, yeah, set up a new life. But he was so vocal and demanding that they ended up killing him. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so smuggled <laughs> him out, but he was a bit too chatty. Yeah. So they thought, we'll bump him off. It's okay. a good story. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good story. People people love that one. Yeah. People love that one. There have been sightings. I mean, they, he's been seen all over the bloody place. Oh my God, yes. Australia and, all, and well. America and things and everywhere. Oh yeah, France, Colombia, New Zealand. Very popular one, living as a hippie in uh, in Goa and yeah. also other communes that come up every now and then that he's living as a hippie in different places. But, but as recently as 2020, mm. there was a fairly credible, in inverted commas, <laughs> sighting in Australia using facial recognition. So a facial recognition expert found a photo of an 87-year-old man living in a Buddhist community in Australia, used facial recognition and said it was an exact match for Lord Lucan. This uh, quote in some of the press that covered this, the leading computer scientist said he used an artificial intelligence algorithm to run 4,000 cross-checks of seven photos, four of Lucan, three of the man in Australia. The expert said... They produced a match. It isn't opinion. It's science, a mathematical fact. Yeah. That's in one newspaper report. Then I read another one. <laughs> said, oh, bollocks. And then they, they, the newspaper tried to contour them and said, oh, you said this. And they went, well, I can't 100% be sure that it's him, but it looks like it him. Looks, it looks a lot like him. <laughs> Same sort of age. Yeah, it makes, it's, it's possible he's still around. It is possible he's still around. Well, yeah. So late yeah. 80s. So. Late 80s. If he's, and again, if he's been living some sort of so, hippie life. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's yeah. entirely possible he's there. I mean, God. Imagine, would anyone actually believe him if someone just, someone rocked up and said I am Lord Lucan 
Well, why would he say that, though? So, why would he want to reveal? By the way, I'm a wanted murderer. Well. Prosecuted, and you could be extradited. Yeah, but if, well, if it's the sort of thing that if you... Okay, well, if, when you reach that age, and I you know you're dying or something, <laughs> would you would you just come and say, no, I'm still here? Would you come out and say it? Would you come out and say it? So, I've, I've only got a few years left anyway, so... I mean, it'd be quite whatever, fun. And just go, I, I know I am him. I'm we, the we mystery We kind man. of wish more people would yeah. to solve all the mysteries. Please do do deathbed confessions, people. Because that, I mean, that's, that's a famous one. That's, that is a famous it, one. That, that's well, going to get you some press coverage. The person in question was contacted via their carers, because yeah. they're quite elderly now, and declined to comment. Yeah. Never, never responded to it, as far as I know, according to these reports. Again, two very different reports. Tabloid going, it's him. Another more balanced paper going, mm, it looks be. like <laughs> <laughs> Remember our opening story, though? Yeah. Christabel, one of the two nannies working for Lady Lucan at the time. She was on shift rotation mm. with Sandra, and she was supposed to be working the night. Could have been her. The killing. It could have been her. She ended up having a fucking horrible she, death she, anyway. Yeah, she didn't have them. She didn't do too well out of that, really. Yeah, she, she was like, oh, I had a narrow escape there. Well, I'm going to be filleted. I'm going to be filleted by my mad husband. Yes, but um, she kept a locked diary. And this is why that story of her being strewn around London mm. really didn't get as much press. It was because it was, ah, oh, Christabel, who worked for Lady Lucan. Yes, it was Lady Lucan. She family. had a diary. She had a diary. All the diary revealed was that she had spoken to Lady Lucan and had mm. the her account of what happened but they honed in on the fact that while Lord Lucan was committing the attack and she was talking him down that he had asked for barbiturates and said that he and his wife needed to go away and kill themselves it was a version of it that they needed to to go away and that it was a suicide pact so they felt like this diary definitely proves that it was a suicide pact or that he was going to kill himself and I think you know implying Lady Luke would have said anything to get him yeah just to say yes just to agree with anything yeah but they they were all like this proves a Lord Luke case do you remember the woman who's just been boiled into pieces no no screw her Mm. the judge in the field the woman who's been cut up also while looking for Lord Lucan. Loads of other people have been found. Loads of other people who have faked yes, their a death. Yes, a random judge. <laughs> yes. Very uncovered and all this sort of stuff. Well, that's it. There was a guy who'd faked his death. He was a politician and they found him while looking for Lucan. He was like, oh shit, sorry. He was like, well, you're not Lord Lucan, but ooh, you had debts. <laughs> Loads of people have turned up, but not him. But not him. Everyone but him. Well, whatever happened to him, we may never know. But this is a bizarre story of a man who gambled with people's lives. <laughs> And whose life of luxury was built on a house of cards that came tumbling down. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's how we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> that is the story of the mystery of Lord oh, Lucan. Oh, good, very good. Yes. As a final postscript, which I did like, and I'm just going to read it from uh, the, the foolproof source that is the Daily Mail. <laughs> Yeah, reported in 2022. (laughs) Cryptic clues found in the Lord Lucan mystery can be unveiled in the form of Cluedo cards. Nice. One One of them does look a lot like him. Found by detectives at the time. Colonel Mustard, the lead pipe... Yeah. And the hall were all apparently missing from a Cluedo set that he had in his flat and they were found in the car. Were they? That were abandoned. These three cards from the Aristocrats board game were discovered in his abandoned car. The trio of cards appear to be a chilling representation of the grisly killing of Sandra Rivet, prompting the question of whether her death was planned. Oh, bollocks. It's, I mean, the, no, I looked through that story and it was all from files that have now been released. Mm. 
files that are now open that we can now pour through, this detail was in there. I'm just going to go out and say, really, was it, though? That he, uh, yeah. he took three cards that basically went, I did it, and put them in his car. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced by that one. Yeah. But it's apparently, 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 they were bloody well there. Right. He took three Cluedo cards out and went, ooh, lead pipe in the hall. I'm Colonel Mustard. <laughs> yeah, that, that one I'm less convinced about. And also, like, the Daily Mail writing that prompting the question of whether her death was planned. Yeah, the death of his wife was very much very, planned. Very much so. He bloody bashed a woman's head in, yeah, thinking he was it was someone else. sneaking around in the dark. Yeah. Turning the electricity off so she couldn't turn the lights on. And also, it's a stupid sentence. Whether the death was planned. What the, the murder with the lead pipe. You think someone actually planned to do that? Let's take a chance with that. But anyway, there you go. What do you think of the story of Lord Lucan? Well, he's around. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't think he killed himself. Do you not? No. I, th- I think he was too arrogant a man, I think, for that. Hmm. I think too, yes, too full of self-importance. Yeah. To do such a thing. It certainly become, becomes unhinged. Yeah. Very rapidly no I, th- I think i think he would have i think he had the connections to get out of the country mm. um, yeah and i think he would have made his way somewhere somewhere else so, i mean switzerland sort of neutral no. non-extradition all this sort of thing <laughs> or yeah south africa i mean anywhere really he could, anywhere, yeah. he, he could have got jumped on a boat yeah. uh, and gone anywhere oh yeah i'm, I'm sure he lived a, a comfortable life somewhere <sighs> In complete anonymity. Somewhere. We've seen plenty of murderers who have done the same thing. Yeah, I don't know why it's so weird that Lord Lucan did. But quite recognisable character as well, though. Well, shave the moustache off. No one would ever know. <gasps> no one knows. No one would ever know. Put some glasses on. Who is he? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's interesting. Mm. Yes, but there we go. A scandalous story with a pretty brutal murder Yeah, in pretty it. brutal murder in there. Yeah. I always forget there's a murder in there because everyone goes, ooh, he disappeared. Oh, like, mystery. Oh, oh yeah, because he killed someone. <laughs> that's why he disappeared. Do you think you could be a professional gambler? Oh, God, no. No? No. No patience? No, none of that. No, I would lose far too much money. It would go horribly wrong. <laughs> well, what do you think, people? What do you think of the story of Lord Lucan? Do you think he is out there still living in any of the communities that people think mm. he is living in? Do you think he just ended his life early? Do you think he did something else? Something else we haven't thought about. Is he living in disguise as an old lady somewhere? Maybe. What do you think of the murder as well? I mean, it seems pretty cut and dry, but is there another theory around it that you buy into? Tell us what you... Th- jump on the comments wherever you listen to this episode. Talk to us on social media. Share your thoughts, your feelings, your musings. But you know what you should mix up on a nice hot sunny day? Mm. A four aces. It's nice. I'm quite enjoying this. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. I think it's, it's quite a lovely... Yeah, it's not one for an evening. It's, it's one for an afternoon. Mm. And I think it's very pleasant. Give it a new name. I, yeah, I can't see where the connection is there, personally. but We'd like you guys to mix this one up and tell us what you think. Yeah. Because I'm on the fence about it. But is it a nice summery drink that you would buy into? Basil, always welcome. Basil, some grapes, a bit of ginger. All the five nice things. That's what you need. Indeed. Send us pictures of whatever cocktails you are mixing up this weekend or whenever you are drinking. We love to see them on social media. Come and join us on Patreon if you haven't already. Come and find us on TikTok if you want to hear more little short stories and support us there. And leave us a review on Apple iTunes as it really, really helps our podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you.